hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey everyone, welcome back to the HA podcast. We're doing Q&A episode today. Everybody's favorite. No, recovery stories are everybody's favorite. Q&As are second. Um, but you guys are going to love it anyways. We have Mishi here. We have Ashley. Hello. 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 Okay. Well, I saved the questions. I don't know if you guys can see them. I saved them in the meeting invite. Okay. Oh. So you can, if you want to like read along, um, you can. So I'm going to read it and we're just going to go for it. Okay. MK emailed in, which everyone can do, danny at the hasociety.com to get your question on the show. She said, please be so kind to help me with my question regarding the being underweight recovery. I'm trying to recover my weight, which I lost of oh, second English, second language, guys. So I'm just going to read it verbatim, but you all are going to understand in the end. I'm trying to recover my weight, which I lost because of the accidental dieting. I just wasn't hungry enough. And I was eating for a couple of years and I lost around eight to 10 kilos and my period for a year now. And my hunger hormones are messed up as well. I'm 172 centimeters tall, which is tall. Just so you guys know. And I'm 48 kilograms, which is way 
too lean at 172 centimeters tall. Okay. She says, I'm 34 years old. I can't eat more than 1200 calories a day, which is too little to gain weight, but my digestive issues won't allow me to eat more. I have trapped a lot of gas. I'm not visually bloated, but I feel like I'm bloated and they are causing me nausea. And I'm so scared of the feeling. And I have a emetophobia. I don't know what that is. Do you guys? No. You keep reading. Okay. So I'm not able to eat properly. And I'm so anxious and stressed because I'm afraid I will lose more weight. Is that gas normal in such cases after a period of low calorie intake? I tried probiotics and it looks like a medication of some kind, um, but it didn't help much. It Will it be better if I gain weight somehow? Do you have any advice for me? I have normal and regular bowel movements once a day and also ultrasound and basic blood work are okay. So before y'all dive in, one of the reasons I added this email to the list is like, in selling the the height and weight, right? As well as the, I can't eat more than 1200 calories. Um, my digestive issues won't allow me. This is per, potentially not a client we would take on in real life. Like this potentially is someone, um, so like 172. Yeah, I need, unfortunately, be, US metrics. Yeah, is, is five, six. So, um you know, kind of tall and, and 48 kilograms, like, like 84, ready for 90, maybe 90 pounds, 105 pounds. Wow. Um, so, but it's still very, it's very, very lean. And if you have extreme, um, you know, if you have extreme digestive issues, and you can't eat more like there's just potentially not anything that we could like it's a it's a part of you know if you have such severe issues and if you have maybe some kind of challenge with your relationship with food on a severe level like that needs to be resolved first and foremost like I don't think that um yeah we really have the answer for this person but what I wanted to talk about was um just like what's normal bloating or like digestive expectations, but maybe you have a different opinion after hearing the question, Ashley. So I looked up that word and it's the fear of vomiting. Ah, hmm. Hmm. fear of vomiting. I mean, and I could see how that definitely complicates the situation. Um, Are and- there many diet? Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's right. No, no, no. I feel like you're gonna have a great question. Go, go. Are there a whole lot? of digestive issues that are purely digestive that cause extreme vomiting i feel like usually that would be related to viruses or um even other types of issues like blood cancers and things like that um and usually a digestive issue is going to be more about like gas and coming out the other end not at the top and so it just makes me wonder um, is it the fear? Is it more the fear of eating so much that I feel uncomfortable and like I'm going to throw up because I overate? Right. That's just right. My, what I was curious about. No, I think I think that that's where my brain goes to. Right? Is like, okay, is this just a fear of I feel full, and then now I'm afraid that I'm gonna throw up, and then so that's why I have trained myself to not be able to eat more than 1,200 calories. Um, I do agree. So almost everyone with HA has complicated digestive issues, but then there's this next tier where I feel like my cutoff is if like, if like you're unable to eat more than like five foods and they're so low in nutrients that like, that like, I don't even think would be able to work with those five foods. Like as like, you would not be able to eat enough of those five Mm -hmm. foods to gain weight to some degree. Not that it's only about, um, weight. Then that's where I'm hundred percent with you. Where like, this is not a client where we would take on because this isn't 
the closest alligator to the boat. <laughs> and it's just the vibe I get from reading it is like, I, I simply cannot eat more than 1200 calories. So like, don't even go there with me. Well, like, I mean, okay. so I feel like that doesn't deter me as much because I feel like that's just the mindset yeah. that could be potentially of, I can't do it because I'm so afraid. And then my fear makes me anxious. And then my anxiety makes me nauseous. And then, and then now I'm going to be thrown up. And so all this is actually related to like the fear of waking you know what I mean? So I feel like this would definitely require some questions. Um, but you know, what really brings to mind is that if, if this person has certain safe foods, which means that they're super restrictive, then the chances that they're eating (laughs) foods that require enough minerals to even create like digestive enzymes, Mm -hmm. I don't, Meaning that I do think that there's, that there's basic things that like we could help them work on in order just to get the digestive uh, juices flowing. There's definitely work with that. But if at the end of the day, she's just not willing to eat more than, than, than like, this isn't the time to work on getting your period back. This is the time to make sure that like you stay alive. <laughs> I know that sounds so extreme. Yeah. No, I but, totally agree. Um, but yes, no, there's so much that can be done um to help these things and i just think that again staying in this restrictive way of eating it's actually just complicating and digging a deeper hole because she's becoming more and more and more depleted which then sends the nervous system more and more and more on the exhausted state rather than like being able to cope with any stress like so like i just see this continuing to spiral unless something changes Yeah. Agree. I mean, I think the only thing that I could add to this, because I think you guys pretty much covered a lot of it is I probably wouldn't take a probiotic. That's just my personal opinion. I, I'm, I'm changing my views on probiotics, but also, especially somebody who has like a compromised gut, I think it's doing more harm than it is doing good. So maybe back off on the things that you can, the uh, external interventions, um, and start working on the internal. That's the only thing I have to add. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks guys. I like that. It's good. All right. I'm going to read Olive's question. Um, and then she actually sent me a follow-up that'll add tack on to the end of it. That's kind of long. We'll see how we go. Okay. Hello, I hope you're doing well. I love listening to your podcast and I thought I would ask a question because I'm a little confused as to where I am coming from. What if I've never had regular cycles to begin with? I got my very first period when I was 12. Throughout my whole teenage years, even before dieting, it was irregular and would skip a few months, etc. I was not diagnosed with something like PCS either, PCOS either. Uh, so it makes me wonder if my case is different. Of course, now it's completely gone due to under eating and over exercising, but I've been working very hard on getting my period back for the last few months. Um, I have seen cervical mucus the other day. I have better mood. I'm sleeping better. I'm not constantly cold and my nipples are feeling a little more sore than usual. Does this mean I'm close? Um, And I'm not going to, I... I, she had, she had some information about temperatures, but we just went back and forth because it didn't really make sense. Um, so we're just going to leave out that information and just answer the question as it is. Yeah. Well, I'll let Mishi go first because I feel like she winds up having to be like, what do I find that they haven't said already? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, no, no. It is totally fine. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think she is really close. I think the fact that she's had irregular, like always had irregular cycles. Cause I think, is it true that it takes quite a while for your actual menstrual cycle to mature once you get it? So it is having irregular cycles, but I also, I had irregular cycles a lot when I was younger, but it was, I was also a gymnast too. So I feel like I was always on the spectrum. So it's either your cycle was maturing or it was the fact that you were kind of always 
somewhat on the spectrum. However, I will say that the signs that we're getting from your body, such as like the breast tenderness, your temperature seems like it, it's in a bit of a lower range. However, it is, it is in range. And the fact that you're seeing cervical mucus are all great signs that you are close. So answering your question, I would say she's close. Ooh, so I definitely agree with the initial assessment. Like it's really hard whenever, and like we see this a lot, when, whenever you start off your cycle, well, the time span that you had either before you got on birth control or before disordered eating happened in high school, which is actually so common, you know, it, it could probably be a really, really, really short snapshot of what your natural cycle was to even have enough data to say you've always had irregular cycles. Yes, historically true, but you may not have given your body enough time to mature and develop and have regular cycles. So I a hundred percent agree on that. So it makes it a little wonky. Um, I think with obviously without temperatures and without labs, um, it's encouraging that she's having some signs of hormonal activity, but truthfully, people can stay in this limbo stage where they have enough estrogen to start turning on, um, you know, parts that have been turned off. She's finally not cold anymore. She's finally having cervical mucus, which is great, but you can chill there for a good amount of time if you don't ever get that bump up and over ovulation. So um, that's where actually, I feel like we're getting a lot of clients that are right there, but they're just not getting up and over the hump on their own. Thankfully, they're always like, we love the podcast. I've done so much since listening to you guys. Thank you for the YouTube. Thank you for all the things. And that warms our heart, guys. So, I mean, it doesn't hurt to say that on a discovery call. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Anyways, but, you know, I think people are, people are able to get themselves to this certain part. And then they're just not able to get up and over because the amount of food or the amount of rest or the amount of, you know, is just so far beyond what they ever thought. So I would say that this is encouraging, but I would not like, this is definitely not the time to take the foot off the gas. Like that could be the worst thing you did right now is to take the foot off the gas. Like this is like, oh, push a little bit, you know, harder which is probably not what you want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, all I'll add, cause those are all excellent and amazing is, um, I don't know how old you are, Olive, but if what was happening in high school is not super relevant, like Amy, she said, it takes a while for your cycle to get consistent. Um, but we also don't have any context or information about what your life was like back then to tell you whether or not it may or may have been like healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, if you ended up down a course of having an ED, you know, I would want to be very interested in what life looked like in your early teens before you were officially given that diagnosis. You know? Okay. <laughs> Look at us. We're on the third question already. We may through. even have time for a fourth, which I thought would be impossible. Okay. <laughs> Brianna asks a few months ago, I came across your podcast, which has been a tremendous help to me. It has revealed some things in myself, unhealthy relationship with food, exercise, my body, and inspired me to want to deal with the problem at the root. I've been following the recovery program all in for about a month now. And so far, so good though. No period yet. I find my self-talk is actually kinder. Oh, kinder. Why did I say kinder? <laughs> that is how it's spelled. I'm so just not sure. how it's spelled. The candy? <laughs> well, I think it means kid, like kinder. I think. Yeah, we're trying to in your garden, like kinder care. Yeah, yeah. We, like, we like took that word and just ran with it. Okay. That is true. I find my self-talk is actually kinder as I'm not restricting food or being really diligent about exercise. One question I have is about the estrogen and progesterone hormone prescriptions. I lost my period seven years ago and was actually put on estrogen patches. And then I was told to do the progesterone treatment every three months to flush the estrogen from my body. 
this would give me a period. I stopped the medication with the okay from my endocrinologist about a month ago, and then I began the recovery program for HA. There is a lot on your podcast about birth control, which I've never been on, but I haven't come across anything about estrogen medication yet. I'm wondering if you have any knowledge about how that might affect recovery. I'm hoping my body will come to a safe place where it's able to produce its own hormones again and have a healthy period. Thanks so much for all of your help through your podcasts. Who wants to go first? Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing? And these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery so to get the checklist all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you you can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. Whoa. I feel like this is Ashley's wheelhouse. Yeah, this is like, well, because this is just, I mean. I think, I think like once you're like, you have a bad experience, not that everyone will, you're just like things I wish people would say first off, first off, if we are recommending estrogen without progesterone, like I just can't even, and I know that this isn't her fault. And I know that she's doing the, like the Provera seems like she's doing estrogen and then the Provera challenge. So it's Um, not, I I don't know. I think she's being given estrogen and and uh, I've, I've seen I've seen it before. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if like the way they prescribe it is they're exactly the same medication or not. They might be. I'm just not 100 percent sure if when they choose to when they choose to do both and basically have someone mimic a cycle with progesterone and estrogen. I don't know if it's the same dosage as it is for the challenge. It might be. Well, right. Well, I mean, there's a dosage thing with that. Is too, what it sounds also, like it, yeah. She said that I do estrogen patches and then and then I do the progesterone treatment every three months, which is the first, that's the first um, schedule I've heard of that. Usually I hear they do two, two weeks estrogen, two weeks progesterone right. to mimic a cycle. So that's so that, like, is that's so some of these doctors be just making it up as they go. <laughs> they just wing it. And then like, everyone's so concerned of non-medical professionals winging it. And I'm like, do you know how much winging it is? Oh. Like, you're concerned about me. I'm concerned about you. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. So my point with this is that she's having like three months of estrogen buildup. So, and what's interesting is that she's having estrogen buildup, but it's not enough to trigger ovulation naturally. So there's that. And then, and then she's pushing progesterone every three months. So it's just putting somebody in like that quasi recovery state where it's like, it's not estrogen dominant because there's not enough to be dominant, but it's unopposed. If that makes sense. 
It's unopposed estrogen. And so with that, I always have natural concerns of when your metabolism is down regularly, like your T3 is down regulated due to decreased energy availability, then this means that like everything else gets down regulated too. Meaning that your, your detoxing is not up to par. So now we're throwing hormones on a metabolism that has been down regulated and we don't even, and no, you can't just take dim and broccoli and like boost up your detox. Like you have to have enough food intake to run that plus amino acids. So it can just create a hot mess express emotionally, physically. Um, and again, this unopposed estrogen is just not great in general. Um, plus it doesn't do as much for bones as people think you need estrogen and progesterone. And if we're only doing that every three months, again, that's another issue. Long story short, is it going to harm your recovery? No, but what's going to happen is that one, we can't get a proper reading on your basal body temperature. So we can't see where you're at Two, all the possible signs that you are getting in recovery is due to being dosed with estrogen, not your own estrogen hormonal activity, which can give us false positives that you're moving in the right direction when possibly you're not, right? So the only way to really know that you're moving in the right direction is to get off the estrogen, do the HA recovery, and then see if you still have those same hormonal activity, you know, signs and symptoms. Um, but no, it doesn't hurt your recovery. You're just at a pause state and yeah, it, you're not moving forward, you're not moving time. forward. You're not moving forward, you know? So that's just kind of my thought on it. So again, I'm not like, it's not the worst thing to happen to mankind. It's not the greatest either, but I just don't think it's a, accomplishing what, you know, she wants it. Yeah. But I feel like putting someone on pills that just mimic a menstrual cycle when you come in and you say, I don't have one is not empowering at all. Yeah. It is really just like, oh, you're, you're broken. Your version just doesn't work. So like, here's some duct tape or something that's actually potentially not even working like just not, you know, cause it's a weird schedule and dosage. And to think that like, I think there's this belief that we are good at dosing <laughs> these things. Gosh, no, and you're so right. Yes, please. We're not. We, it's like, it's all made up. It's all being winged. Like, it's literally our best attempt and we're horrible at it. So, you know what I actually think is kind of interesting that, so products like Anito or even Dutch test that actually measures your estrogen throughout your entire, entire cycle, you will never see it say 50 all the way across. Exact same every day. So, so why would you never. change the exact same every day? That, hence why it can't trigger ovulation, right? And I'm not even saying that we should get fancy with it. I don't, because I just don't think it should be done but that's right is that i don't know i guess i guess since we're trying anything if that's the arena we're playing in right now try anything (laughs) ashley's submission to trying anything would be like i don't know maybe like uh 30 you know whatever dosage of it of estrogen like days one through seven and then like days seven through ten it's like 50 and then days like you know uh trying to like mimic the actual rise and drop yeah days 10 to 15 i'd like 120 imagine imagine if you had to like switch up your amount that you were taking daily to like mimic the natural rise that's what i'm saying like the like you know like you say this all the time that the body is like the best chemist and like Mm -hmm. and like we're not even trying to put forth our best effort whenever we put women on a flat 50 does that make sense and then and then on top of it it's it's the definition of throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing if it's (laughs) yeah that's what i'm just like i put forth my pot of spaghetti because if this is what we're 
forth. So serious because it's like, hey, I'm just going to give this person 50, uh, you know, of estrogen and, and like have her come back and see how, what she says, right? Like, and, you know, at the risk of her going insane, Crazy. you know, on it or having awful, awful symptoms or, you know, you know, even when you're in an HA state, uh, in many ways, you're still at the probably the most optimal state for you based on what your body has at the time, right? Your body's not broken. It's low on food. So your body has downregulated to what is oh, the most mean. appropriate for it right now. Then we come in and we chuck some HRT in at some random dose. And now we're really messing with homeostasis, right? When all that actually needed to happen was you needed to give your body physical material for it to do the job it needs to do. Um, and so it's, I, I feel like, you know, although maybe you're not making it work, like, as you said, Ashley, like you're not necessarily, uh, you know, making your recovery worse, but like, you kind of might be messing some stuff up. Like you really may, cause then when you do choose to come off of it, there's a waiting period. You need to let your body excrete those excess hormones. Um, and just like let it chill out and refine its balance again so that you can start moving forward. And yeah, it doesn't feel super helpful for someone who's not like basically about to have something awful happen without, you know, this immediate medical intervention for the average person dealing with HA. It's really just like um, shaking things up in a way that might not be super helpful. I think whenever we dose one single thing like this, like we assume that estrogen happens in a vacuum and that the body is just going to go like, ah, react. And then like (laughs) magically make hormones out of matter. Like, no, like it. That's so true. That's so true. That's why you can't just dose it. And it turns on the system is because it doesn't create energy. This is an energy availability issue and even if you dose it with HRT, it's not going to turn the system on by itself. And you know what the other thing is, is like, and just because I've had this personally where I was, and like, here's the other thing that people don't talk about. People talk about progesterone as being like this great, like miracle thing. And I think when it's made by your body, it is, but I feel like I see just as much issues with people dosing progesterone and having nobody, I kid you not, nobody took me seriously. And I had to go into the deep, deep, dark web of like (laughs) Reddit forms to find anybody who was having a similar experience to I was on progesterone. Cause every single time I tell my doctors, they'd be like, there's no way that, you know, like those symptoms don't match up. Like, as in like, there's never a negative side effect to progesterone or to dosing progesterone. Right. So I would always leave the doctor's office, like feeling like a crazy lunatic. Right. I was already crazy because of like the HRT, but long, but to my point of that was they would give me, I think a hundred grams, but it would only show up as like 80 or it'd show like really low. And then, so literally their suggestion was double it. And when I tell you, I was at my peak crazy, like I was crazy and crying at the same time. And so when their suggestion to my email, when I was like, I am not okay, I'm not suicidal, but I'm telling you, I am not okay. It was just double everything. Which brings me to the point of what you are taking and what you're metabolizing are two different things. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that like hormones can't get stored in tissues. Well, that's a whole other opposing situation as well. Sorry, Mishi. I'm sure we just. No, <laughs> no, those are all really good points. I actually, I was also in the belief that progesterone is the magical like hormone and even taking it exogenously is like, there's benefits to that, but I'm, I'm on the other side of that opinion now because I've dealt with, I personally haven't taken progesterone on any sort of hormone replacement therapy myself, but all the clients I've ever had who have been on hormone replacement therapy and maybe just progesterone have all had really bad side effects. They have had not had good experiences in their labs always come back super wonky. It's just like, you literally can't just 
dump things on a dumpster fire. Like it's just, it's just going to make it so much worse. And I think you make a really good point about like, like, is your body even able to metabolize those things? Like, and if they're not, then, then what's happening on the other side of that. And my only really point or anything to add to this conversation is like, you know, your body isn't lacking exogenous hormones. Yes, your body is lacking hormones, but that isn't because your body is broken. It's the environment that you've created. So if you give your body the environment and the tools and the resources that it needs, it will create these hormones. So it's not a lack of hormone replacement therapy. It's a lack of environment. Yeah, that's my only thing to add. <laughs> yeah, and this was not directed at her particularly. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's not at a all. hot button topic. Of well, life. she's just asking. Yeah, she's asking for our opinion because we don't talk about it very much. And I'll say to you, probably uh, why because we're so spicy. We're so spicy. <laughs> we talk about every now and then, but we always just refer to it as HRT, uh, and she's kind of referring to it as like uh, estrogen medication. Um, so maybe there's like a terminology thing too. Okay, well, let's do one more. This one came in this morning, so grab it. <laughs> Chelsea asks, she is asking about EMDR for HA. Mm-hmm. So first, thank you for all of the blogs, podcasts, and groups that you created for HA. Uh, when finally discovering I had HA, I had no idea where to start or how common it was. And your resources really helped me feel sane and point me in the right direction. Good. That's what we're that's what we're trying to do. All right. I have a random question for you. Have you ever heard of anyone using EMDR therapy to recover from HA? Um, and I'll pause here and tell everyone what EMDR therapy is. Uh, it is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. Um, this is probably not fully accurate, but it kind of feels like a hypnosis kind of situation. Uh, my husband has used it a lot and loves it and I have had clients who have used it and have loved it so we're happy to talk about it okay so have we heard of anyone using it I've recently learned about it and although it's typically used for PTSD it seems like there should be some links for rewiring the brain to feel safe and thus restarting reproductive function my background I'm 34 years old and I have never really had a true cycle I got my first super light period when I was 17 which was also the time I started having sex. So immediately went on the pill. I stayed on the pill with a couple of short breaks to see if I would get my period. And I didn't until I was 29. I got shivers from that for some reason. Like when you read, you know, 29. Um, At 29, I was ready to get pregnant. So I worked on getting my period for a year and it never happened. Eventually I ended up going or doing IVF and since had two kids through IVF. I've still never gotten my period despite now being off the pill for five years. Some of that time pregnant and breastfeeding, of course. I'm active and eat relatively healthy, but I have an an average BMI. Generally eat what I'd want and I don't feel constrained. With that said, I don't fit the personality type of someone with HA. And I know that I used to constrain my food a bit in my teens and early 20s. My blood work has always been normal without any big red flags. I've tried stopping running and changing other lifestyle choices, but I'm worried that it's been so long forever without a period and my body just literally doesn't have the connection and doesn't know how. That's a lot of information, but I'm just curious if EMDR is something worth exploring. (laughs) We're definitely going to go over time on this question. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Listen, first off, because you provided all of that background information, you're not just going to get an answer on EMDR. (laughs) Um, I I don't know. Maybe y'all two don't have any experience much with EMDR. Would that be? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm aware of it. I know what it is, but I don't have personal experience. So I have multiple clients that have done it. Um, and anyone that I know in the world, including my husband, um, absolutely loves it, swears by it, thinks it's great. Um, however, EMDR does not resolve these types of physical issues, but I mean, absolutely. I can think right now of multiple clients where EMDR as an additional part of their 
like recovery journey would be so beneficial. Crazy high anxiety, acute trauma, PTSD. Like we have women who definitely get to what would be considered weight restoration, but still dealing with HA because of, you know, OCD, um, past traumas, childhood traumas, uh, concussions, things like that, where it's the type of thing that would be 100% beneficial. However, so, or like the end, right? So (laughs) moving to the rest, someone else can go first. Rishi, I'll let you take it away or else I will. (laughs) No, I'll let you take it away. I'm going to, I'm going to type the, I'm going to paste the email too into the chat. Yeah. Cause I was like, I need to see the rest of what she said. Yeah. Cause I was really focused on the EMDR part. Um, but I think, yeah. uh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to paste the part. You can't paste all in, but th- this part in, you can read it. Oh. Yes. It- yes. You know, I'll kick it off. So I think it's very valid to say that you don't fit the personality type and that's actually not a requirement for AJ. Um, and I think it's very possible that you're not actively feel like you're like restricting. And that could either be because it's such a habit that it no longer feels like you are, or it's so widely accepted in society that it doesn't, it, it truly falls under quote unquote healthy, but that does not stop the possibility that you are still under eating for your activity level plus with two kids, right? Is it two kids or did I? Yeah, the two kids. Ew. Yeah, two kids. So, I mean, I know that I have one kid and she's relatively very easy. And even on my best days, I can still forget to eat. Or I'm running around that like I just don't even stop and eat properly. So, Um, what's really interesting is that my clients that are moms are always the ones that are like, I don't think I'm under eating. I'm not working out. And I'm like, yeah, have you sat down today? But have you sat down today? You know, and I think I probably sit down more than most of my moms because I have a sit down job. So if, so if it's whether your job isn't a sit down or like you say at home with your kids, sorry, you're probably not sitting down. Long story short, there is multiple reasons why there's a strong possibility that you are still under eating, which is causing um, HA. So there's that. And honestly, um, we would have to take a look at your basal body temperatures and your labs. Um, but even if your labs continue to say normal, oh, she says that I do. She says that I do. I do fit the personality type of someone with HA. Sorry, oh, okay. 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 Well, that's for anybody who feels like they don't. Mm. And when it comes to average BMI, I was also the optimal BMI for fertility. And my cycle was gone gone like gone gone like not coming back gone like as in my estrogen was like less than six gone right (laughs) like in the tanks so bmi personality not restricting i can see why you're possibly very confused on how you're like how is this plus now running and two kids i would like to see your lab work because even if it's normal this is screaming ha yeah. It's screaming it. Like I'm not, I, I feel that the description is meant to kind of make us feel like somewhat you're an outlier case, but you actually feel like a, um, <laughs> sorry, Ashley is just holding up a unicorn to this screen. <laughs> so you guys know, um, but it's actually a stand, like a pretty standard, like was what we're expecting. I'm thinking of someone right now. I have a client with very similar backstory. Um, IVF with twins was the outcome or not IVF. Sorry. She actually never got to IVF. That's a different story, but she did get, um, the FSH injections and stuff. And anyway, because they were worried because she was so receptive, they didn't do IVF because she was, they're like, you're going to definitely have multiples. So they backed (laughs) off and just did the trigger with natural conception after that and ended up with twins still but the point was for me like what comes up when you went so long 
because it sounds like, you know, you went on the pill, you didn't get a period on the pill, like you kind of should, even when, you know, if you do have a period on the pill, for most pills, you should still get it. You went off the pill, you still didn't get it. And it really wasn't until 29. Um, That's a long ass time, right? So boom, we've got deficiencies there without even talking about why the period is missing, right? There was most definitely some, a reason why. Um, So you're starting off early on with major deficiencies. We're not getting pregnant. So we're going to force it to happen. Boom. Let's throw all these hormones in the mix. We already talked about that earlier today. Um, We're going to throw that in. We're going to force this to happen. We're going to basically hijack your body until this thing works. Then we're going to put you through pregnancy, right? And that's going to hijack your body and suck all of the life out of you because that's just how pregnancy works. Um, If you don't have enough to get pregnant, like, sorry, if you don't have enough to build baby, we shall take from you, from your bones, from your organs, and we'll make the baby from that if you're not going to give us what we need to give you. So by the time you've gone through all of that twice, uh, maybe even breastfed, the level of deficit between you versus someone who was more like myself where I just hit the ground running with exercise and under eating. Um, I was never on the pill, yada, yada. You know, I didn't have a baby. The difference between you and I is actually probably pretty substantial. And the hole that you're digging yourself out of versus the hole I was digging myself out of, your hole's probably deeper. And we see this in practice. Um, basically, the more challenges you put on your body over time, the more work we're, we may have to do. And some people get real lucky and they put their bodies through all that and recovery still takes as long as the average person. Um, but more often that's not the case. So I like to just put into perspective for people, like look at everything your body's been through and now look at your expectations on how it should respond to what you're giving it, which may or may not even be enough right? Like you may be saying, Hey, go through all of this and now recover on. Well, I mean, it's not enough. Yeah. Like it's not enough. Like whatever you're doing, you don't restrict. Sometimes it's not enough for you to stop restriction. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. Someone put that on a post. (laughs) Make a note. Right. We'll be like, but look how much I'm eating. I eat so normal now. I'm like, yeah, well that ship sailed. (laughs) You, You know, you missed the boat for eating normally. And now you need to eat in a surplus for a solid amount of time to give your body the excess that it needs to feel safe and use it to make hormones and other things that it needs to build. So, yeah. And I would also add, like, in addition to the surplus, like your body needs to be in like a BMI surplus almost for a good amount of time too. So the fact that you're like, you're pointing out, well, I'm a normal BMI, which I think you guys both all covered. I think it's just, your body is, first of all, like your lifestyle is, is very stressful with having two kids. So you need to sit at a higher BMI in order for you to create an environment for your body to feel safe and for you to have enough resources to just like create hormones and keep your body alive. Totally. We can't just like give it a little bit more and think that it's going to, you know, that's always like the theme of today is like, giving your body something, whether it be too much or too little of something, and then and hoping that it just like figures it out when they're just all, all roads kind of lead back to, you need to look at what you're doing, where your blind spots are. You need to eat enough. You need to rest more and you need to stop thinking, yeah, that you're the unicorn and that there's like something about you that doesn't quite fit the mold. Um, and I mean, I understand this, this question a lot. Like these are the stories I'm hearing. This is what should work. It's not working. Do I need something more like EMDR? Because like what's happening, but I just like, I know, I, I think that you didn't have a period for a long time. You were on the pill, you under ate over exercise and you had two kids through IVF. That's what I think happened. Not think- acute trauma and you need EMDR. Yeah. And I think that if there was a chance that your body couldn't do this on its own, because I think that that's actually the root of this. She thinks that her body can't do it. Right. You would not have been able to 
like carry out pregnancy. If you know, like your body was so broken and the disconnection was so like interrupted, then there's no way your uterus would have been able to respond or that your hypothalamus, you know, like none of this would have been able to respond and keep growing a baby, not once, but twice. So I always think it's interesting that we think it's broken enough to not do it on its own, but not broken enough to like carry like a baby. <laughs> and I'm like, well, something's working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something's That's bad. something that I'll never understand why some people's bodies are like, fine. Okay. Let's do oh, this. I think it's why we have no choice. And some people's body is just like, absolutely not. Yeah, no, for real. And you know, the other thing that I think is really important. And again, this comes from perspective. So I don't even want to act like, I can't believe you don't have this perspective. (laughs) No, this is like a a perspective from like a coach, right? And unless you see multiple, I mean, like this is what we do all day, every day, like multiple people all day, every day. So this isn't like, I can't believe you don't get this. But I think we truly mistaken our body's resilience. It's like resiliency for not for not nourishing it right we're like well technically I'm alive and like my hair hasn't fallen out so I guess I don't need to do anything quite yet and I'm like no your body is just super resilient no like no like this like your the hair on your head is not a reflection of your intake the hair on your head is a reflection of like some level of resiliency and when you lose the resiliency that will go to you know what I mean it's like we actually think that and and like I think that that's why like I thought it too because I didn't think I was that bad right like I didn't think I was that bad off meaning that like why can't I just eat normally now and everything turn back on it's like because resiliency has been like has been carrying you through but it's not going to turn on a system it's just going to keep you alive it you know those types of things. So I think that's very interesting. Again, I think if HA somehow manifests like plaque on your face, nobody <laughs> will let HA go on longer than like two days. They'd be like, oh, we're solving this today. <laughs> well, to add to that point, I mean, it is going to age you. Because well, stress yeah. is aging. So if you are very worried about your your skin and what you look like, I would be worried about it. Well, true. But think even then the body's so cool that it yeah. takes time. But again, if like, but think about if like black acne, just like, not just like a pimple. No, guys, I'm talking like an oil spill. Like, you know, <laughs> it just started to like take over your face, do and like it was connected to the level of depletion. You would not be depleted ever. I'm you, sure they would, would find ambulance. some sort of cream to take care of it. Okay. A black goo <laughs> that could only be solved by replenishment. This you, is the hypothetical situation with no loopholes besides yeah, doing the would, work. You would solve that. That. You know what I mean? But because it's inside and that because it's inside, we can't technically see it. We can't touch it. That, you know what I mean? We're just like, oh, well, maybe like it'll just like, you know, magically get better because I can't see it anyways. Mm-hmm. But that's how the human brain is about anything. Yeah. I feel like she should chart her cycle. And then <laughs> everyone should chart their cycle. <laughs> Everybody should chart their cycle, mm-hmm. but she specifically should chart her cycle. Because if you understand what the feedback that it's giving you, it's telling you that like, you know, you're not eating enough, that you're, you are maybe like, under too much stress for the the food that you are currently taking in and it'll take the emotion out of doing the work it'll give you the the feedback that it's not your body that's broken it's your lifestyle yeah. that. that was great that was fun thanks guys yeah such good questions we love when you guys send questions um again danny at the hasociety.com i collect them and then bring them to these calls other than that we hope you all have an amazing day thanks for joining us please i don't know subscribe to the show make sure you're following it all that good stuff 
and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, Again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, My wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back, in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often 
low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.